Okay, is this uh, functioning? Okay, good. Everyone can hear me? Now, let me ask the question, the serious question. How long do I have? <laughs> We're looking at five minutes here. <laughs> 30? <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, I must admit, because Debbie and I didn't speak or talk about what I was... You want to move this? Okay. That sounds good. Debbie and I didn't really talk about, you know, what sermon I was doing this morning. Um, and, of course, I gave Joel a little hint about what I was going to do. Uh, but, yeah, they stole my thunder, most of them. Yeah. <laughs> so this could be shorter. Who knows? Or you might hear some things that will come up again. That you're like, hey, I've heard that somewhere. Where was? Oh, yeah, that was about 30 minutes ago. Um, but uh, I want to start off by uh, saying I, I came to the Lord when I was 16 years old out in a church out in Washington State. And uh, after I came to the Lord there, uh, I was introduced to missionaries. You know, they would come and speak just like I'm doing now. They would come and speak and, and share their ministry and share what was going on, sometimes preach. And uh, it, I mean, it was pretty cool. But I, I want to be honest with you. I want to tell you what I thought about those missionaries who came back then. I thought, these people are weird. <laughs> I had no context about missions or missionaries or what was going on. And they would come and sometimes they would, you know, they would dress weird. They sometimes would dress in the garb of the country that they're serving in. I've got a few pictures. You want to show, you want to show the next slide to give a, a little idea of, of sometimes how they would dress. Okay? And they'd come and speak in their garb. There's another picture and, the, and I think I have a third one there as well. Yeah? Okay? So... They would come and they, they would dress funny. So I'm looking at these people, I'm going, these people dress funny. And not only dress funny, they, they talk funny sometimes. Now they were talking English, but sometimes it wasn't English. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. It was, it was English, but they kind of mixed up their words in a sentence structure that didn't sound like English, even though the words were English. Uh, and I'm thinking, where do these people come from? And I just really thought they were weird. I've never done this for this particular thing, but if I would say to you, you know, you're walking over my cookies, would you have any idea what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> That's a direct translation of something they would say in German. And it basically means you're getting on my nerves. Okay? But they would say, you're walking all over my cookies. <laughs> so they would use terminology or, or, or sentence structure. It was just a bit weird to me. So I was, I'm thinking, these guys are a bit weird. Yeah? Sometimes they would stand up and they would go, oh, what's that word? And they couldn't remember the English word. They could remember the word in their language, the language that they're, but they couldn't remember the English word. I'm like, these guys are nuts. You know what I've realized in the last years? I'm that guy. <laughs> That's horrible. That's horrible. I'm the guy that sometimes can't think of the English word. I'm the guy that sometimes you know, does a sentence structure that's really weird. And I'm standing up here. Now, my dress, I think I did okay this morning. I'm, I'm at least in the ballpark, so that's, that's good. But, uh, but that was my first impression of missions and missionaries when I came to know the Lord. Um, there was a different impression out there that I kind of got feedback from other people in the church uh, that was different than mine, my experience. Because these people thought missionaries were heroes. They were these people that are up there, these spiritually, spiritual giants. 
that are out there doing the Lord's work and they come back and they share with us and it's great to have them back. I didn't have that experience, but I saw people around me going, these guys are great. I mean, I think that would be great. You know, if I came back and a kid walked up to me and goes, are you the missionary? (laughs) And I'd be like, yes, son, I'm the missionary (laughs) as a superhero. Yeah. Um, But as you've heard this morning, you know, we're really not superheroes. Just normal people. So I'd like to, you know, the next slide will show you. I'd, I'd like to pop that bubble in case anybody has that bubble that uh, missionaries are superheroes and these, these great giants of the faith uh, that are out there. Um, there's a lot of different reasons. Joel named a couple of reasons why missionaries leave the field. Um, and just to indicate some of the struggles that missionaries have, just like you would have here. Okay? They might come from a different background or come from a different context or, or have uh, you know, a, a difference. But, but missionaries really are normal people out there serving the Lord as if you serve the Lord here in the ministries that the church has. Um, and, and they have struggles along the way. I've chosen one of, one of my... Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to say it's a favorite verse, <laughs> but uh, I've chosen a passage that really kind of talks about that struggle a bit. And I'd like to read it for you. It's in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll start reading at verse 3, and I'll just read a few verses. It says, Bless, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers in our sufferings, so also you are sharers in our comfort. Now there's one thing that I'd like to say about this passage that might not be real, real clear here, because it's talking about the comfort we get from God and the comfort we kind of pass on to others, which is great, and we're going to get into that. But one of the things that I notice in this passage is the fact that Paul lumps himself with us who suffer. We, we, we get comfort, just like Paul got comfort, but we also suffer like Paul suffered. And sometimes we, we miss that, especially in this passage. It's talking about comfort, but the fact of the matter is, you've got to suffer before you can be comforted. And Paul just kind of lumps himself in there with all of us, saying we are suffering. We are afflicted. We receive comfort. You can go to the next slide. Okay? He puts us all in the same boat, really. Paul, you, me, we're all in the same boat. Now, some people will look at Paul, you know, and all the writings that he has and goes, yeah, Paul's not like me. There's no way that guy can be like me. He's up here, isn't he? He's the guy. He's the man. (laughs) The missions guy. Number one. Although I think he said he was the least of all. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how he got there. but, uh, But sometimes we think that. Paul's a great guy. And yet he includes himself in that list with us who suffer. Now, we can read things in the scripture about Paul, okay, you know, 
was stoned, he was burned, he was shipwrecked. You know, we got all these things that were happening in his life. We're like, okay, yeah, he, that's, that would be tough, wouldn't it? Those things would be tough. But no, he really was like us. And missionaries are like that. Missionaries are normal people serving God. They're only serving God in a different country. That's all they're doing. But they run into struggles, maybe different struggles, but but we're all struggling. We're all in that boat together. Okay? Just in case you didn't think that Paul was um, was struggling, let me read. Let me read just a little bit farther in that passage to give you a an idea. I don't like this this next verse really, because it says, "For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of the affliction which came to us in Asia." I live in Asia. <laughs> I don't like that verse. <laughs> I don't know what's coming, but. Uh, But it says that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Paul wrote that. There was a time in his life where he was afflicted. He was suffering to such a degree, he said, I despaired even of life, which for us nowadays, I mean, despaired even of life, that's not how we would say it. We would say, I don't want to live anymore. And sometimes these struggles get so intense that we come to the point where we're like, oh, is it even worth living? That's how bad it can get. And I, and I deal with people who are on the mission field who talk that way, who are at that point where they're like, is it really even worth living anymore? And it can get bad. And it's hard. Right? Even with missionaries. We're not the spiritual giants that <laughs> some may think we are. Yeah? We've got to go through those struggles. And that's my ministry at the moment. I mean, it's been my ministry throughout the time. Even as a Bible school principal, it's been a part of my ministry because students would come into my office and you know, you're walking them through life issues. You're walking them through things that have happened in the past. You're walking through decisions that they've got to make in the future. And you're walking through struggles that they're having at Bible school right now. Now, even though we created kind of a bubble system where, you know, life didn't touch them as much, but there were still things going on in their lives where they're like, it was really tricky. So, um, just to give you an example from my life, you can go to the next slide. There's different ways in which which things can affect us uh, as missionaries. That may not affect you as much, but you may see some things in there. One is just culture. You know, we go to a different culture and we try to learn the cultural values, how the people think, because we want to minister to them. And we want to understand as much as we can about them uh, to build that bridge with them. Uh, But culture can be tricky because I'm going over there with a set of core values that I have from this culture, and I'm going over there and I'm trying to change my value system so I fit in as close as I can. Now, I will never be them. It's really hard. There's this term called third culture kids where, you know, the kid, the, at, at home we have a culture that comes mainly from our home culture uh, or my, my, Debbie and my home culture and they live in a different culture and they kind of create their own third culture. Well, to a certain degree, Debbie and I do that too. We're not, and she said this, we're not Americans purely like we were before because we've tried to shift our value system 
to those who we're trying to minister to, or at least to understand them, so that we can share with them, share Christ with them. So we've kind of moved. Well, of course, we've been out of the States for 24 years now, which means the culture here has moved as well. So there's probably even a larger gap than, than we think. Okay? But, and, and I know Lancaster County has a kind of a German background, so I don't know if this will resonate with anybody, but there was, there's a statement in Germany, in their culture, at least in southern Germany where we were at, that they say, um, if I haven't criticized you, that's your praise. But they don't encourage anybody. <laughs> There's no encouragement in that system. It's just like, well, if I, haven't, if I haven't told you what you're doing wrong, that should be good enough. That's what so I went, you know, the first four years in Germany, I thought I could handle that. I thought, okay, I, I know that, I understand that, that's who they are, that's what's going on. But after four years of no encouragement, I thought, can I do anything right? I thought everything that I do was just wrong, and I couldn't do anything right. And yes, I kind of went into a depression because of that. It, it affected me more than I thought it would. Okay? So sometimes culture can get to you. And missionaries go into different cultures. Sometimes it can, be, it can just be people, like Joel said. That's the number one reason people leave the field, because they can't get along with their coworkers. And sometimes that can be difficult. I remember I was, I was principal of an international Bible school, and... Uh, and I was the one in charge of, you know, courses, what, what was going to be taught, who was going to come and teach those courses, what were the, the boundaries for the students, because we, you know, we had anywhere from 6 to 12 nationalities represented that were coming and living together, um, and there's conflict that can happen. So I would kind of set boundaries so that that would work as best as possible. And one of the boundaries that we set was just a curfew. Okay? There was time you had to be in bed. We discussed that, we talked about it in the staff, we, we, we set a, a time, and I set a time. And it was okay, but there was one year where I had a group of students come to me, they weren't the rowdy students trying to get away with anything, but they came to me and they, they wanted to try to extend that curfew a bit. Um, some of the reasons were that they, they wanted to study longer, and if they had to go to bed, that's, that's their good study time. And we're all different, I understand that. I can't study at night, my wife can. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, I'm going to extend that boundary a bit and give them a chance to prove themselves that it's okay for them to be up where they're not causing havoc or they're not disrupting their roommates or whatnot. And so I did that because that was part of my job responsibility. Well, I was the principal of the Bible school, so that was the nine-month program, but we had a year program, so we had a director that was over me. And he got wind of that decision to extend that boundary, that curfew, and he called a meeting, all the staff and all the students together, and he started talking about this, and I didn't know what was coming because we had not talked before. And all of a sudden he says, that was the most idiotic decision I have ever heard of, and there's no way we're going to do that. And he kind of pulled the string on everything. And basically, in front of the student body, my student body, called me an idiot. <sighs> that hurt. That was tricky. That was a tricky scenario. And sometimes people on the field will just do things that will get to you. Okay? I think I responded okay then, although I think I did yell in the office afterwards, <laughs> which wasn't the best response. <laughs> in front of the students, I remained cool, but uh, after that, you know, I kind of went, ah! Okay? Two years later, that guy left, and we changed the boundary, and it worked fine. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a different issue. 
Um, so sometimes people can get to you. Yeah. Sometimes we'll have we'll have different values. Also, um, that's kind of a different value that that we had. But there was another time I was in Germany at a different ministry at a church, and um, uh, I was taking the youth to this. Um, What's it called? It's kind of a, a youth missions conference. It happens once a year. It's all day long. You've got three or four speakers that, that you can go to. I mean, you can choose which person you want to hear preach, and then they've got all these mission stands. And I would take them there to get their heart kind of molded towards missions. Uh, and it, it worked well. Uh, but the pastor called me in, and he said, that's a waste of your time. Uh, you need to be working on this, this, and this. And he kind of sat down and you know, used that little, I don't know if you've heard that illustration where you put the big rocks in and then you put the little rocks in and then you put the sand in. You can get it all in the jar. But if you do it backwards, you can't get anything in the jar. It doesn't work. Or you can't get the whole thing in the jar. Um, and I just said, well, what are the big rocks you're talking about? And he goes, he goes well, there's a Connection fun run that we do. The Connection is a, is a youth ministry center. And he said, there's a fun run to do and you've got to work on that. And you've got to make sure that's happening. You've got to make sure this program's going. You've got to make through that program's going. And I realized at that point, we just had different values because I was looking at the kids and I wanted them to grow. Sure, we had programs. Sure, I wanted programs to happen. But it wasn't about the programs. It was about the kids. It was about getting them to move on with the Lord. Um, And if the program helped that happen, awesome. But that was the number one priority for me. But it wasn't the number one priority for the head pastor. He just wanted things to function. And I realized, oh, we've got a conflict of values here. So there's a lot of things. And Debbie mentioned illness. We had a lot of illness in Germany, which just kind of wears you down. Yeah. So we have, we have this, this text where it talks about God comforts us. And because we've gone through these things and God comforts us, then we can turn around and we can comfort those who are going through things with the comfort that we receive from God. That's the main thrust. If I can take from God, I mean, it's hard to do that when you're in the circumstance. It's hard to see that. But it's true that whatever it is I'm going through, that can be used by God in other people's lives. Normally, when we come back, of course, missionaries, you're, you're on support, and you've got to kind of keep that up, and you've got to keep, keep talking with people that support you, and, and every once in a while, you've got to get new supporters. And, and so when we come back, one of the things you know, we look at is, okay, where's our support level? What do we got to do? Who do we got to talk with to see if we can gain more support? Yeah? That's, that's one of the goals of coming back, unfortunately. I don't like it, but it's one of the goals of coming back. Because we're older missionaries. I won't tell you how old I am, but we're older missionaries. And, you know, we have supporters that are starting to die off. And so then you've got to bring new supporters on. Well, Debbie and I have discovered that, okay, that's, that's one of our goals on the outset or on, on the front end before we come back. That's one, of, that's one of our goals. It has to be part of the thing. But we find that we just share our story of what we've gone through. And it resonates with people. And they're willing to open up to us about what's going on in their life. And we're able to take the comfort that God has given us through those struggles and pass it on to them. And so even though 
our main goal in coming back isn't to do that, that seems to happen more and more and more. And, and that's, part, that's part of our trips back. Listening to people. We just, we just listen to people. We understand where they're at. We understand the struggles. And we see, can we, can we be a part of that? Because it says, oh, you got the other one up there. Okay, we've got, we've got this, uh, this kind of uh, circle thing. I can't read it that far. God, us, and others. Yeah, that's what I've been talking about. Okay, God comforts us, and with that, we can comfort others. Okay? Now, here's the thing that I thought of about that. Because uh, Paul says God comforts us. Well, that's, that's great. Okay, so God comforts Paul, and he's able to comfort the Corinthians because of what he's gone through and what they're going through. But the reality is, how does God comfort us? That's the question. How, how, does, how does God actually comfort us? I, I know that he comforts us at, at times just by being in his presence. You know? We can have a good quiet time. We can be out there. We can be processing this. We can be praying about what's going on. And God can directly comfort us. I know that's, that's possible, and that's happened in my life. Sometimes he comforts us through the scripture. We'll read a passage that will that will speak to us, and God will use that passage for us to be comforted. And that can happen as well. Yeah? But often, I think more often than not, the comfort that I receive comes from other people who are being used by God to comfort me. That's more often. And I think that's the pattern that we should see. Since, since we're all in the same boat, I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but since we're all in the same boat, I can bet there are people right here today that are struggling with something, that are having difficulties. Maybe nobody knows around you that it's going on. Maybe we've been, we've been effective at, at, at hiding it, keeping it under wraps. Maybe you don't, you don't have that safe person to talk to. There's a lot of different reasons why we kind of keep things hidden, but, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there's probably something going on even in this room. So if I've gone through things and I've received comfort from God, and part of God's economy in that sense is for that to be used in someone else's life, then probably I need to be looking around a little bit if we're all in the same boat. You can go to the next slide if you want. We're all in the same boat, and I can help. <laughs> I can help other people who are in the same boat. But I've got to be aware of what's going on around me, and I've got to be, I've got to be a safe person so that people will be willing to trust me with that. And sometimes it's just me sharing my own struggles. If someone starts by saying, I struggle, that can open up a floodgate of other people around you who are struggling that you might be able to help. Okay? But we can be a part of the solution. I wish I could tell you that when I am struggling, I wish I think biblically and I think, okay, I'm struggling now, but in someday in the future, this struggle is going to help someone else, and that helps me kind of get out of it. It doesn't always work that way. I wish it, I wish it would work quickly, but it doesn't. But in essence, if we do struggle, in essence, we can 
gain a bit of comfort by knowing God will use everything that we have happen in our lives for the benefit of other people at some point. We don't know when. But we've got to be aware of what's going on. And we've got to be willing to take that first step and, and open up. Okay? One of the things, I put suffer up there. I'm not saying that you should suffer. What I'm saying is, uh, and, and I, I got this from a, from a book, and I can't remember which book it was, so I can't really quote it. But it took the perspective of we're all in the same boat. In other words, we're all sinners. We've all blown it at some point or another. We've all had difficulties. We've all made wrong decisions. Okay? But this writer said, instead of looking at people as sinners, I look at them as sufferers. Okay, we're all under this general sin, this general problem that's taken place. We all are affected in different ways, and it comes out in different ways in our lives. But we suffer under that problem that's here. But you know, if I can look at people and say, they're a sufferer like I am, okay, it might come out in that way and it might come out in my life this way, but we're all in the same boat as sufferers. If I can look at people with the glasses of their sufferers, I have a lot more compassion for them. Because if I see them as sinners, I want to correct the sin. And I want to come in and I want, to, I want to just tell them what it is, what has to happen. And sometimes I've got to do that, hopefully compassionately. But if I, if I see people as sinners, I'm, just, I'm, I'm going after the sin. If I can get rid of that sin, then I'm helping them. But if I see them as a sufferer just like me, I go, phew, that's tricky. I have a lot more patience to listen to them. I have a lot more compassion for what they're going through. And I get a lot more traction on helping them if I come from that perspective. So that's, that's kind of my ministry right now. Taking missionaries. I'd like to keep them on the field as, as much as possible. We're, we're looking at keep getting them help on the field and keeping them on field. Because I have, I have some Bible translators who have been there for 20 years. And if they leave the field... It costs a lot of money to get a new couple on the field. It costs a lot of time to get them up to snuff with language and culture. And then they've got to, you know, they've got to buy into the, the, the vision. What are we doing here? It just takes a lot of resources. If I can keep someone on the field, it saves a lot of resources. That's a, that's a goal of mine behind the scenes. But Debbie already said it. Sometimes I've just got to say, you know what? It might be better if you leave and then you come back once this is taken care of. I don't want to say that, but sometimes I have to. Yeah? But I'm, I'm walking alongside sufferers, just like me. And I've got a lot of experience in suffering. And that experience is, helps me connect with them and helps me be able to guide them and give them tools to stay on the field and, and still function and still go towards the Great Commission. I work, I work with Bible translators, sex traffickers, uh, pastors, um, missionaries who are service-oriented, helping other missionaries in that sense. Um, there's a lot of people, and I really, really enjoy it. But that's my ministry. But that type of ministry can happen here as well. If we're just willing to be honest, 
if we're willing to look around and see what, what's going on. What are these sufferers doing? What are these sufferers going through? And how can I be, how can I come alongside and just walk with them? Because then we can all move forward. We can all grow deeper. We can all help each other and be part of our lives. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for, well, first of all, for allowing me to go through a lot of difficult circumstances. I've only named a couple uh, here. There's, there's many, many more circumstances that are just tricky. Um, but you've allowed me to go through them, and now you're allowing me to use them as a bridge to other people. Um, give, us, give us eyes to be able to see what's going on and recognize. Give us a willingness to be honest about where we're at that, uh, that we could open the door for people to walk through. Uh, we can let them know we're struggling, and that might give them the courage to open up about their struggle. And we can walk together and move forward. Help us to be able to have uh, the glasses on of, of seeing people as sufferers. And just, just, we just want to see your fingerprints in it all. And we want your kingdom to move forward, and we want us to be a part of growing closer to you. Um, and these are Christian terminology that we say, but we really want it to happen. And so orchestrate that to happen. Amen.